Kim and the band will be back a little bit later. You can take a seat, sit down, back and, uh, and relax. I'm going to pinch someone's stool. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Hey, uh, one of the <clears throat> to start us off tonight, uh, nice and easy. Thank you so much, Steph. I'm going to ask a really, really simple question um, just to kind of get us rolling. Uh, and the question is this. What doubts do you have about God? Really simple, surface-level stuff. You know, what, what doubts do you have about God? If you, were to, if you were to get serious, if you were to sit down and write a whole list, you know, what are some of the doubts that you, that you have or that you've experienced or that you're currently experiencing when it comes to God? Is it maybe something around the whole science thing? Is it you're kind of unsure whether you can believe in science and also believe in God? Maybe it's around that area. Maybe it's around suffering. Uh, if suffering's one of the issues that you're wrestling with, then, then you can go back to last week's podcast because we talked about that in, in this series. Maybe for you it's, it's not so much a doubt at an intellectual level, but, but you've got a question like, if Christians claim to follow a God of love, why are they such jerks all the time? Why are they so rude? Why are they so mean? Why, why is it that whenever I've been into a church building in the past, whenever I've set foot in, I've always felt uncomfortable? And from the front, they talk about love, love, love. But when I'm sitting in the rows, when I'm interacting with people, no one wants to interact with me. And so the question is, you know, what, what doubts do you have about God? And then the next question I have is, where do those doubts drive you? Because when all of us experience doubts, not just when it comes to God, when we experience doubts relationally, when we experience doubts uh, maybe about a teacher at school or a course at uni or a challenge that we're experiencing at work, all of those doubts that you and I have, they drive us somewhere. They either drive us deeper into to wrestle and to get an answer sometimes. Maybe other times you're like, well, I got this doubt and it's kind of not that big of an issue, so I'm just going to put it to the side. I'm not going to really think about it. Maybe for some of you, you kind of like actually you walked away from faith. You walked away from Jesus. You walked away from the church all because your doubt drove you in that direction. And before we kind of move on with what we're going to uh, jump into tonight, I want to let you know uh, that if this is your first time here, my name's Chris, I'm one of the communicators here, and usually we don't start this deep. Uh, usually it's a little bit more lighthearted, but we're actually wrapping up a series. So if you're coming in tonight, you're actually jumping in on the tail end of a conversation that we've been having for the past four weeks. And the conversation is called, as you can see, Making Sense of God. Uh, and we've let you know right off the bat what our agenda is with this series in case you're like, oh, do they want me to go to church all the time? Do they want me to give me some foolproof argument? Uh, our agenda is, with this series has been really simple. We, we've done this series because we believe that making sense of God will help you make the best sense of your life. Because if God or something bigger than the universe or, or there's some force out there, if God exists or whatever you want to label it and you can make better sense of it, doesn't it make sense that it will help you make better sense of your life? Because if there is a power that created the universe, then how that power works and how you relate to that and interact with that makes a huge difference and it will make your life better if you can make better sense of God. And so to kind of help you along that journey, uh, in part one, we looked at the idea of meaning. You know, how do you get meaning? Where can you get meaning if God's not there? And then in part two, we moved on to this idea of freedom. And we looked at the fact, you know, doesn't, doesn't God just want to take my freedom? Isn't he kind of like a freedom grabber? You know, if I follow Jesus, I kind of have to sign up to all this stuff and it takes away the fun of life. And then last week, as I said, you know, we, uh, we looked at this idea of suffering. You know, if God's all good, why does suffering happen? And what we discovered is that every worldview, 
every worldview, whether it's atheist, Hinduist, Buddhist, agnostic, whatever you want to label it, every worldview has to address that question. And to say that God doesn't exist doesn't uh, mean that you can just walk away from that problem of suffering. And if those are kind of like, oh, like that's kind of interesting. I've been doubting around those things. I've got questions around those things. And I would encourage you, you can jump online to our podcast and you can actually listen to parts one, two, and three. You can listen to all of our other series, but you can actually listen to those parts and hopefully you can make a little bit better sense of God. But tonight, we're, like I said, we're going to talk around this whole idea of doubts. And, and I think there's probably three categories that everyone in the room, whether you're a Christian or not, um, whether you've got questions or whether you, you're, you just got dragged here tonight because uh, you didn't want to watch the footy and you didn't want to be home alone, so you just came here. I think there's three categories that everyone has either been in or is currently in at some point in their life when it comes to this whole idea of making sense of God. And, and here's the first one. Those who have doubted in the past. If you've been a follower of Jesus for any amount of time, chances are you would have had some doubts in the past. I'll put my hand up straight away. That's me. I've had doubts. I've been unsure about things. I've had to wrestle through some questions. The second category is this, those who will doubt in the future. Maybe some of you are like, no, nah, I'm kind of new to this whole Jesus thing or I've never had a question. I've never had a doubt. Give it enough time and you will. Because if you follow Jesus seriously enough, there will come a point in your life where you're like, you know what? Some of these things he says and some of these things he talks about, I've got some questions around them. And this is the third category. Those of you, or those of us who are in the middle of doubting right now. Some of you who maybe even, maybe you even came along tonight because you heard of this series that was coming on and, and maybe, or maybe you didn't even know this series was coming on. You're just like, I just got some questions and I don't know, maybe you lost, you had a last resort and so you're like, church, maybe that's where I can find the answers to these questions. So you're actually in the middle of doubting. You're in the middle of wrestling with those questions to the ground. And, and regardless of what category you fit yourself into, I'm going to tell you something that maybe, depending on your church experience, you won't believe off the bat. So I'm going to put it up there and then I'm going to explain it to you. That doubts can actually grow your faith. Doubts can actually grow your faith. And maybe for some of you, you grew up in a church where you were told and, and you asked a question and it was a great question, but it was a fact-based question. And the answer you received was something like, well, the Bible says. And you're like, yeah, well, that didn't answer my question. The Bible says didn't answer my question. And, and what, happened, what ended up happening is you got a faith-based answer to a fact-based question. And so what you assumed, quite rightly, because I would have assumed the exact same thing, that there are certain things you can ask in church and th certain things you can't. You're allowed to ask questions about, about some of these things, but if it gets difficult, if it gets tricky, if you're not really sure, if it seems like a, a dangerous kind of question to ask and you might just open a can of worms, you can't ask that. But here's what we believe, that doubts can actually grow your faith. I'm going to show you how doubts can grow your faith tonight. Because the question that we're going to wrestle, the tension that we're going to take to the ground is this. How do we respond to our doubts so we emerge stronger? You know, when we've got doubts because it's natural, we just saw before, how do we respond to them in such a way that they actually help us grow our faith and they help us emerge stronger? And as a result, we make better sense of God and we make better sense of life. Let me introduce you to, to someone. His name's John the Baptist. And if you have no idea who John the Baptist is, that's all right, let me explain. John was actually Jesus' cousin. John was actually Jesus' cousin. And, uh, and John was, we, we say this a lot, John was the original hipster. You know, you see all these people today down at the farm at Byron Bay and drinking their vegan soy lattes and all this stuff. John would have put them to shame. 
because John lived in the desert and ate locusts and wild honey. And John only wore camel hair. Could you imagine being that hipster that the only fabric you will wear is camel hair? And so John actually lived out in the desert. He was uh, Jesus' cousin. And people, John was making such a fuss in the desert. John was making such a fuss in the desert in an age where there was no email, there was no social media, there was no Instagram stories to tell everyone. But people heard about this hipster in the desert. And people traveled days to come out and listen to John teach. John actually had his own followers, his own disciples. And the message, the one big message that John said over and over and over again is that a saviour is coming. A saviour is coming. A saviour is coming. You you should turn and follow this saviour. This Messiah is the word that that John would have used. This Messiah is coming. And everyone was like, every time they went out there, they were like, geez, John just keeps has his message on repeat over and over and over and over and over again. And John got himself into a little bit of a pickle. Because King Herod, who was the king at the time, uh, John spoke out against him. Because Herod uh, was having a bit of a birthday party and Herod's brother was married to someone who Herod thought was a bit of a hottie. And so Herod decided, I want her as my wife. And so Herod took her as his wife and John looked at that and he goes, that's not right, man. That's not cool. And kings in those days had a little bit more freedom than rulers and prime ministers and presidents have in these days. And so Herod threw John in jail to shut him up. And so John was in jail. And what we're going to discover, we're going to look at an interaction tonight that John had with his followers, with his disciples. And in that interaction, we're actually going to unpack three big misunderstandings when it comes to doubts. And those three big misunderstandings that that John kind of tackles and Jesus kind of tackles will help us put together a little bit of an action plan to help us emerge stronger when it comes to our doubts. And so we jump in. This This is what we discover. The disciples of John the Baptist told John about everything Jesus was doing. Okay, because obviously John's in jail, so he can't go out and see it for himself. And so they come in and they're telling him everything that's going on. And then this happens. So John called for two of his boys. So there's a whole group and he goes, just, just you two, could you, could you just come here for a second? He says, I've got a question that I want you to ask Jesus, the Lord Jesus. I've got a question that I want you to ask him. So straight away they pull out their parchment they pull out their quill and they get ready to write. And John goes, you ready? This is the question. And these two guys are like, oh, I can't believe we've been asked by John to ask this question. And they're assuming it's going to be a question that no one's asked before. They're like, we're going to be the first people in the world to ever hear the answer to this question that John's asking Jesus. And this is the question that John asked them. He goes, I want you to go to Jesus and I want you to ask him, are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we keep looking for someone else? And you could imagine the two of them like, Hang on, what? You you want us to go and ask Jesus that? Dude, we follow you because you kept telling us that Jesus was the Messiah. Remember that day when Jesus came out into the desert and you baptized him and you know everything, all that all that stuff happened and you pointed at Jesus and you said, "This dude is the Messiah. This dude is the one. Stop following me. Follow him." Remember that day? John's like, "Yeah, but I want you to go and ask him." And this is the first common misunderstanding when it comes. To doubt. See, we don't understand what doubt really is. So many people, you know, look in on John and go, John, how could you do that? How could you doubt after everything you'd seen? After everything you'd experienced? Really? You're going to ask a question like that? And the problem for so many of us is because somehow we've told ourselves or we've been told that doubt is the opposite of faith. 
that doubt is the, is the thing you should stay away from because if you're doubting, then you're not following Jesus well. Well, that's just not true. Unbelief is the opposite of faith. In fact, the word doubt actually comes from this, this Latin and this Greek word that just simply means to be in two minds. It simply means to say, hey, I'm actually not decided. I haven't figured it out. There's enough of a doubt that, that, that I have two possible positions or three or four possible positions and I'm not sure where I sit on it. And so John hasn't stopped believing in Jesus. He just said, hey, I'm in jail and I'm going through some stuff. And when there was a time when I was in one mind, now, now I'm in two and now I need to figure it out. And so Luke picks up the story again when John's disciples meet, uh, get in front of Jesus. And so John's two disciples found him and said to him, notice what they said to him, John the Baptist sent us to ask. We're not asking this, we're kind of embarrassed. I can't believe that you, you're not going to believe this question, Jesus. But this is the question. Are you the Messiah we've been asked, expecting? Or should we keep looking for someone else? And this is Jesus' response. He says this, Go back to John and tell him you, or what you have seen and heard. And this is what you've seen and this is what you've heard. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news, the gospel, the message of Jesus, the message of hope, is being preached to the poor. Now notice what Jesus doesn't say. He doesn't say, go back to John and tell him I'm so disappointed in him. Go back to John and tell him I cannot believe that he would ask a question like that. Go back to John and tell him he's actually not my cousin anymore. I've disowned him. Okay? No, Jesus doesn't. In fact, Jesus engages. Jesus engages because at the heart of, of Christianity is not a list of rules. It's a relationship with a God who stepped into history. And Jesus knows that in order to have a relationship, you need to be able to be 100% honest. You need to be able to be vulnerable. You need to be able to put it all on the table and say, hey, I'm not sure, but I want to figure this out right now. And so this is kind of the common misunderstanding too, that doubt is a sin to be forgiven. Oh, I'm doubting. Oh, I'm not sure. I don't know, maybe, maybe that's a bad thing. Maybe God won't love me. And the truth is, if a relationship's at the center, then doubt is, the, is not a sin to be forgiven. Doubt is a sign that you've got questions about the relationship. And if God is God, then he can handle your questions. In fact, they're not questions that he's like, oh, wow, that's a great one. I never heard that one before. If God really is God, then he does have the answer and he wants to engage those questions with you. And then this is how the conversation finishes up. And because the boys, the boys are, John's two boys start to go back and Jesus goes, wait, 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 wait. I want you to tell him one more thing. I want you to tell him this. God blesses those who do not turn away because of me. And this word bless is kind of like a weird word because we don't really use that in our culture a lot. We might say like, oh, bless. Oh, bless. But, but the context here is actually happy. God allows people and, and makes people happy who do not turn away because of me. Which actually says that, that Jesus, what Jesus is saying is, God wants you to engage in your doubt. In fact, this is the third common misunderstanding, that doubt does damage. Sure, absolutely, doubt will do damage if you don't address it. But doubt will do damage in any relationship if you don't address it. Doubt will do damage in any job if you don't address it. Doubt will do all sorts of damage in all sorts of areas of your life if you don't address it. But Jesus, what Jesus is saying here is, hey, when you, when you have a doubt and when you begin to address it, it doesn't do damage. And so many of us have been like, oh, well, if you have a doubt, that's not a good option. 
In fact, maybe some of the things you're studying at uni, people have told you, oh, you really shouldn't study that if you're a Christian because you might have doubts and you might not be sure how to navigate it. The truth is, doubt doesn't do damage if you address it in the correct way. And so the question for all of us tonight is simply this, about how do you go about confronting your doubts? What's the plan? What's the steps? How how do we go about confronting our doubts so that we emerge stronger? So that we, like John the Baptist, come out the other way? side well we actually have this thing it's called for monday which is really the action plan or the the uh, excuse me the big idea of everything that we've been talking about here tonight and uh and the for monday for this week has kind of got three parts and i just want to walk you through each of those parts really really quickly because it'll be your action plan i hope to help you begin to confront some of your doubts the first part of the action plan is find the root of your doubt okay don't just say you know well i've got some doubts Actually figure out, you know, what, what is it? What is it about, what, what is the cause of it? Is it just, hey, I don't really like it because Christians seem mean? Go, go a step further. Unpack it. Well, I think Christians seem mean because I believe Jesus is a God of love. And if Jesus is a God of love, then the way that they're acting doesn't make sense. And so maybe your question is, is God really mean or do Christians just have it wrong? And that's the root of your doubt. Well, whatever it is for you, Maybe it's suffering, maybe it's the whole science stuff, maybe it's something completely different. Find the root of your doubt. Then once you've found the root, I want you to do this. I want you to ask God and others for help. I want you to actually take that doubt like John the Baptist did to God and say, God, this this is actually what I'm wrestling with. This is what I've got questions about. This is what I'm unsure about. And if you really are God, I want you to help me answer it. But not only that, I want you to ask others because chances are you're not the only person who is currently or has wrestled with doubt and the exact doubt that you're wrestling with as well. And so I want you to engage and ask other people who are followers of Jesus and say, hey, when you've come up against this, what has been your response? What has been your approach? How did you you navigate that period of time in your life where, where you weren't sure about this? And if you want a really, really great resource Here's a great website that you can go to. It's called www.reasonablefaith.org. And on that website, the reason why I direct you to this website, um, and this website is by this brainiac scholar. He's got like two, two PhDs, one in philosophy, which is just smart person stuff, and, and one in theology, which is really about the God and the Bible. And on this website, he actually every week addresses questions from all around the world. And he addresses questions from Christians, He addresses questions from atheists, from agnostics, from Hindus, from Buddhists, and he talks about that. And so you can actually go there and you can find the Q&A section. You can walk through all that and you can maybe begin because chances are someone has asked a question or a similar question to what you've asked. And if you are into the whole scholarship stuff and you really like, you're kind of like, ah, I'm not really into the Q&A, I like the academic journals, he's got some of there as well. He's got some of those on there as well that you can dive into. And here's the final thing. Here's the third thing. I want you to implement a course of action. I don't want you to just know what your doubt is. I don't want you to just kind of ask the question, but I want you to actually make a plan to move towards solving your doubts, to move through that tense part, to move through that awkward phase and actually look your doubts in the eye and wrestle them to the ground no matter how uncomfortable it is. And in fact, in order to help you implement a course of action, what we're actually doing on the back end of this week is we're actually releasing three uh, bonus podcasts. 
we're going to release a couple of bonus podcasts for the Making Sense of God series. Because we realize there's a whole lot of questions, there's a whole lot of um, information and content that we couldn't cover. And so in order to help you maybe uh, answer some of the, the, the bigger questions and the more common questions, we're actually going to release three podcasts around three different issues that we didn't cover in the series. So you can check that out, you can listen to that. And as we kind of begin to, to bring this series to a close, as you kind of find the root of your doubt, as you ask God and others for help, and as you implement a course of action, there's one thing that I want you to, to be aware of in the midst of it. Because I totally understand it. it's, a, it's a tough spot to be in when you're wrestling through it. It's not the most exciting place. But in the midst of it, here's what I'd love you to remember. Don't let what you don't know pull you away from what you do know. Imagine, you know, the person that you know best in the world. The person that you know more about than anyone else in the world. If you had to put a percentage on it, what percentage would you put? Not 100. The reason it's not 100 is because not even everyone knows everything about themselves. That's why we go to counsellors. So, hey, I'm thinking about this. Can you help me figure out what I'm thinking? You know, not everyone knows 100% about themselves, so you can't possibly know 100% everything there is to know about one person. So what percentage would you put on it? 50? 60? 70? 87.5? What percentage would you put on it? Because the truth is that, that in the midst of all of that, there, there are some things that we don't know about the people closest to us in our lives. There are some things that we don't know, but that doesn't pull us away from what we do know. And the same is true when it comes to God. Yeah, you may have doubts. Yeah, there may be some things that you're wrestling through and you're unsure about, but don't let what you don't know pull you away from what you do know. Because at the end of the day, if you take nothing away from tonight, if you take nothing away from this little 15-minute conversation, here's what I want you to take away. That you can wrestle with honest questions and embrace a genuine faith. You can wrestle with your doubts. You can wrestle them to the ground at the same time as embracing a genuine faith. And my hope and our hope here is that you would begin to embrace those questions and embrace a genuine faith. I'd love to invite the band back on stage and I'd love to pray really quickly. Heavenly Father, we, we acknowledge that, um, that doubts are difficult and doubts are hard. And for some of us, we can get to points in our life where we're not sure what to do with our doubts and we don't know how to respond. And so Lord, in those times, help us to understand that doubt is not a sin to be forgiven. That doubt simply means that we're in two minds. Lord, that in the midst of it, our first option and our first objective should be to discover the root of the problem, to turn to you and to talk to others and to implement a course of action. Because as much as we, excuse me, have doubts, our doubts can actually draw us closer to you. Our doubts on the other side of the tension can help us embrace you in a new way and can actually serve to grow our and so I pray that everyone here who is wrestling would begin to embrace those questions and begin to grow their faith.